You're listening to the LaunchCast, the podcast about leadership, business, life, and growth with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the LaunchCast. I know it's crazy out there, but I still love this theme song. Episode 116 entitled, We All Live in a Mellow Quarantine. It's the Launch Dad himself, your host, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. We're talking leadership, we're talking business, we're talking life and growth, and we're doing it as the beat drops. It has been a crazy week, folks, and I thank you so much for joining me here. Uh, We're going to do a little bit of a different format today. We've had the episodes where I do my one guest, and I have my my interview segment and we get into our in-depth interviews, which is, it's what we're about here. And then we have when crazy stuff goes on and I go on my monologue and it's just me. So today is gonna be sort of a combination of both. We're gonna have a few guests on today and we're gonna be talking about what's going on right now, which is the coronavirus crisis and everything surrounding it. And you know that we talk about leadership and positivity on this show and it's so important that This whole platform is about helping. It's about helping leaders to understand their leadership, helping leaders to stand up and say, I'll do it. I'll help. I'll be the one that goes out there and helps. And so I hope this episode will inspire people out there to sort of get up and and do what it takes to keep the world turning. Because in essence, that's what this episode is about. It's about accepting what's going on right now. It's about being safe out there, but it's about creative solutions to keep the world spinning. That being said, I want to bring up my first guest today, and I'm so excited about this. Hello, hello. We have Jen Clock on today. Thank you so much for joining me, Jen. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, of course. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Jen. So Jen Clock has been a seventh grade social studies teacher at Howitt Middle School in Farmingdale, New York, my hometown, my place, for five years. She knew she always wanted to be involved with music in some way, shape, or form and started out helping out with the stage crew for two years in the musical. And this year now was her first year directing the musical alongside Dominic Raphael, right? Yes. This is actually my first time meeting Jen in in person, in virtual (laughs) person, but I was lucky enough to have a daughter who was in Jen's musical this year. Oh my God, my, my daughter Mia just absolutely loved everything about this it was it was so cool for her to to jump into this thing that's gonna you know bring help bring her her identity you know sixth grade she's in middle school for the first time and so it was exciting for her and she had a blast with you guys that's awesome we loved her and yeah middle school is definitely a wacky time so it was very cool seeing all the kids from this angle 
you know, outside of the classroom and actually getting to see them as people more than just students in a history class. So it was, it was really neat meeting her and all the other students involved and working with them. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, and, and they loved working with you. I, I know that for sure. I saw that and, uh, after, after the musical when, <laughs> when they had their thank yous, and it, it, was, it was really incredible. Why I wanted to speak to you is because there was something really cool that went down, and it's really surrounding this crisis that went on here. And so for the last four months, my, my daughter, and my daughter was part of the ensemble, so she didn't have a, a main part or anything, but she still just enjoyed every second of it. She spent the last four months, every spare second of her time rehearsing and going to rehearsals, and, and, and they did Little Shop of Horrors. That was your yes. musical this year. And so leading up to the show is when things really got serious with coronavirus here in New York. Things were starting to get shut down. There was talk of the schools being closed. And so why don't you pick up and, and sort of tell us the, the story here? Sure. So basically what's to kind of jump in there, we entered the coronavirus crisis right in the middle of Tech Week. So for those of you who don't know what Tech Week is, it's really when you put together everything that the cast has been doing with the technical side of theater, so the lights, the sound, so all the microphones and the staging and whatnot. And it's a very stressful process on its own. And, you know, we were silly to think like the only problem we'd have that week was like the microphones not coming on at the right time or the lights, you know, not you know, the spotlights being off. But like so that, that we were already in a decent amount of stress because of that. And then we started noticing our cast losing their voices and everyone's kind of getting stomach viruses and strep throat and this. And it was just such a stressful few days that we ended up, you know, like canceling rehearsal just so everyone can stay healthy. We like disinfected the entire theater, all the props, the backstage area, thinking we'd come back, everyone would be fine. The worst case scenario is like, again, like the tech part isn't perfect, but the cast is fine. Um, last Thursday, we ended up having our fifth grade, uh, like almost like dress rehearsal or preview. Um, so all the elementary schools come to Howitt Middle School and they see the performance uh, basically for the first time with an audience and it went so smoothly and it was a celebration and even like the day before we had a faculty meeting talking about how other things were being canceled but our show was still going on so it was a very like positive vibe in the school even though you know the undercurrent was something a little frightening um, so after like our day of celebration on Thursday we came home we're like all right well we got opening night tomorrow it's okay and then uh, I got a call from my principal about 6 p.m. on Thursday saying that the show was officially canceled. And it was the most gut, like, I don't know, it was, it was a punch to the gut. Like, it was just, we were all just hysterically crying. Like, this is the directors. Like, we had this before yeah. we told the kids. Just the thought of, like, all of their, you know, four, when you say four months of work, like, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, it is every free second you have yeah. for four whole months. Just all of that work thrown out the window. Um, and especially with this group of kids, this group was so incredibly special and so incredibly talented that the thought of them not getting a chance to perform in front of an audience and get their moment was just heartbreaking. Um, so we were really left in a panic that evening of how do we make this work? You know, this isn't fair. And, you know, like, obviously we were getting, we were being a little selfish in that other schools are, you know, their musicals are still going on. The high school show is still scheduled. Why are we the ones who now, are being punished? Now, just to, to paint a picture before yeah. you go on, just for, for those that maybe don't live in New York, 
here, th this is when numbers really started going up in New York mm -hmm. State. And I think that was pretty much around the time that we overtook and became the highest population of coronavirus. Yeah. Overnight, it was all of a sudden the numbers stopped going up by two or three and they were going up by yeah. 70, 80, 90 yep. a day. That's when things really started hitting. And so as a parent, I know Mia's mother and I were, were constantly in conversation every day like, hey, what's going to happen? Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think, you know, is it tomorrow? Is it the next day? And and so it wasn't so much a matter of, you know, if the school was going to close. We pretty well. much knew it was going to close because yeah. we were seeing what was going on in other areas and all over the country. So it's... For, for those that didn't really think that this was a serious thing, that's really around the time that Thursday was mm -hmm. was really the day that even for me where I was like, oh, this is this is serious. Oh, this is a big deal. We, we left when all the kids left um, Thursday because we didn't keep them after they got to go home and sleep. We were all as the director saying, I hope we get like, let us just have Friday. Like we figured Saturday would have a good chance of being canceled. So we were kind of like, all right, let's just let's go into this thinking tomorrow is our one and only show and it'll be great. Yeah. And Not so even even even, you know, besides the drama of this and the gut punch, because it, it really was with was all that work. It was horrible. And you're also thinking about the hearts of these little the, these six, seventh and eighth graders. Right? Yeah, we that was it was it was horrible. Yeah. Like it was just really just it was sad. Like they work so hard and they're the sweetest, kindest souls on the planet and they yeah. deserve every bit of happiness and applause and and the fact that they weren't going to get that was just sad yeah and Very and so sad. when you think about the other side of it because we do have to think of the other side it really was when you take the emotion out of it it really was a responsible oh, smart decision the um, fact that now we're home till i think april 1st or so, i think that was as of last night almost yeah. april 1st like it's it's like oh of course that had to happen, yeah. but we were being, you know, we were being selfish. We were looking out for, you know, our priorities weren't, sure. you know, in line Un yet. Un understandably. And yeah. so that night as a parent, you know, I see social media starting to light up. And of course there's text between all the parents in the play and, you know, it's all right. What are we going to do for the kids? And everything. and then I started seeing a lot of action happening on social media. I saw a petition on change.org yes. that was being put around. Yeah. So tell me about what happened that night. Yeah. So I actually didn't know about that until like mid afternoon on Friday. But the brother of our of my co-director Dominic Raffaelli, um, his brother was one of the stage managers, Anthony. And you know, we this show, you know, it's a team of staff directors. Then it's also the students. Then it's also, you know, high school volunteers. Not only for like the pit and the crew, but also just people that help the show run. So all of our stage managers and people behind the scenes are all volunteers. Um, so the fact that they were the ones who really took it under their wing to get the message out. I think like they were using the hashtag save little shop yeah. and stuff like, I thought that was so cool that it was, it wasn't us at all. I had no idea it was happening, but it was them. They started it because they saw the hard work that the middle schoolers put into this and they were really like, no, they deserve their moment. They deserve to let people, you know, see what they've been working on. So that was, that was very cool to yeah. find that out. Yeah, that was really cool. And so, did, did this petition have any effect on what wound up going on? Tell me no. about the process that night. Yeah. No. So I, again, like we didn't, we didn't know about the petition, but um, it was very cool to see. But so that night, um, our principal, uh, Mr. Penny was definitely like, he's on our side. He wants to work things out. He suggested possibly doing a performance Friday during the day for the sixth graders and then doing the performance at night, but a no audience live stream. And we were totally fine with the no audience live stream, even though it 
sad. Uh, but the sixth grade performance during the day definitely made us a little, I don't know, just, we weren't totally cool with it just because a lot of the students would not be as into the show as others. And we, sure. we really wanted our kids to experience like an audience who actually wants to be there and actually appreciates what they're doing. So I know especially Mr. Hulse, um, one of the vocal directors, he was a little hesitant with the sixth grade performance and suggested doing something like maybe the choruses or the music classes, but we, it just was out of our hands with coordination. So that night we, we were able to get approval for the sixth grade show and then the no audience live stream. So like we were okay with it, but not obviously not like totally psyched about the results. Um, so then the next day, Friday, when we went back into school, uh, Dominic and I got to school very early. Um, we were there like a little bit before seven, just so we could kind of have our like, yeah, like moment where we're like freaking out without the kids there. Um, but then when as each kid came to the auditorium, it was just like it was heartbreaking. It was just like we didn't know we didn't know what to say. Like they were crying, we were crying. You know, it's it's it was a really hard moment to go through. Um, but once everyone was kind of sitting there, like we, it was very solemn and I don't know, like it, it was a very strange atmosphere. But like we really we kind of kept bringing it back to our, you know, this, we're a team, we're in this together, you know, we have to be positive through this, we're going to make this work, you know, it's not ideal in any way, but we're going to make this work, and it was okay, like, no matter what, we were going to be in the auditorium that day, Yeah. Um, and then our principal comes in about a half hour later, and is like, the sixth grade show is not going to work, I'm like, why, like, why, like, they need, come on, like, this is at least something, um, but almost 40 teachers called out that day um, for various reasons and whatnot. But there were there weren't enough substitutes in the building to cover uh. all the classes. And traditionally, when that happens, you know, it's not very often, maybe once every few years or something. Uh, all of those classes without substitutes have to go to the auditorium just so they can be monitored by sure. you know a handful of teachers. And so he's like, you guys can't be in here because we're going to have to send all the classes down. And then a light bulb went off in our heads and we're like, wait a second, why don't we put the show on for all of these classes? That's great. And he was like, let me go see if that would work. And it did. And we you know, were able to start by like halfway through, I think second period is when we really, the kids got into their hair and makeup and costumes very quickly. And we're like, all right, we're doing this. Like we're doing it now. And basically what we did was we ran the show in chunks from start to finish. And then once it finished, because it's not, a, it's like only a two hour long show, we ran segments. So like we went, there's this, you know, we'll do, oh, one song to the end of act one. And then we pick up at the beginning of act two and do the whole act two. So like we were able to really chunk out the show. So the kids performed the show almost three times wow. during the day on Friday. Wow. Which like Broadway actors don't do. So it was, it was wild to see that happened and also by the end of the day we were all like we ha had such a good time with it we got our principal to jump into a couple of numbers uh we taught him a dance for the song close for innovation <laughs> so he great. was doing his broom dance and then we threw him in the dentist chair for the uh, dentist song and he was being tortured by our little actor who played orin scrivello dds um so it was like by the end of that day it was it was so much fun 
and we were not expecting it to be fun. So that was very cool. I'll tell you that during the live stream itself, and I do want to throw out there that I know the kids were really worked a lot, you know, oh, to yeah. put it, but I, I do want to say that I know that you guys were so cognizant of that. You guys gave them off in the middle of the week. They were supposed yeah. to have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 3 to 8 p.m. rehearsals, yeah. and you gave them off on Tuesday just because yeah. of, you know, people were getting sick and what was going on and wanted to give them a rest. And so, but they were on adrenaline that day. They were, oh they my were God, like, it was go. hysterical. Like we, they were definitely, they went from, yeah, we went from hysterically crying in yeah. the morning to cracking up like, you know, a few hours later. And again, they were running scenes every period. They had one period off. Yeah. Like, and they were, they were champs that day. Absolute champs. What was so cool was the, the, the vibe surrounding the parents. So yes. the, we were so excited for the kids that they were getting to do this, you know, and there was, I think there was a part of us all that was like a little sad for them that they wouldn't do it in front of an audience. Although I knew that they did it, you know, in front mm -hmm. of the school, but we were also a little selfish in that we of course wanted to see them live. Of course. You know, and we were so excited. But I think most parents took it in stride because this was such a creative solution to this problem. Deciding to do an empty, uh, an empty auditorium, no audience, live streaming the thing, treating it as if it was the live show. Mm -hmm. Because I watch this thing from start to finish. There were no gaps. There were no nope. stop. This was like a live show as if there was an audience there. And, and I will tell you right now, because the camera... I think there was only one time because it showed some of the ensemble walking down the aisle. You you did not realize that there was no audience there watching it. I don't know if you watched the live stream back I at all. Did. I did. I watched it a couple of times. You did week. not. There was a, a whether it was the pit or or the call. I know there was a couple of administrators in the audience or whatever. I don't know. There was some cheering going on. There was I I, I guess like the support from the back too and from the pit. You completely forgot. And what was so cool was it was another level of show. Um, now, I, you know, besides what I do for a living, the company that I own, I do public speaking. And so I had five or six keynotes that were canceled in a three-day period. You know, I, I spend usually, I, I only travel for my keynotes in the spring, once in the spring and once in the fall because I, you know, I have kids and I have responsibilities. So most of my keynotes are here <laughs> in New York, but I had, you know, Miami, Tampa, San Diego, New York City, these were all canceled on mm -hmm. me. And so I saw a couple of shows that were doing some creative stuff and I'll get into that later because we're interviewing a few people involved in that. But this solution, the live stream, not only did you give the kids what they needed to get out of this after four months worth of work, but it was a different level for us as parents because we were, I was sitting at the edge of my couch. Like I had to, I rushed home from the office. We got food. I had to stop and get flowers for my daughter before picking her up. And, and I was like glued to the TV and it was like, we were watching like a world premiere of a, a movie. So on that's TV. kind of what we, cause they live stream any show at Howard and the high school too. They, they live stream. Yeah. But we, and then we're like, you know, it's going to be empty. There's going to be, you know, just the crew, the pit, a handful of teachers who are scheduled as chaperones. And we're like, we're going to treat this like it's one of those TV live musicals, like Hairspray Live. So uh, Dominic Raffaele came up with that idea. It's like, let's, let's go all out for this. So like, and there, this was a lot of stuff that wasn't captured on the camera, but we set up in like they have in the um, during the Oscars and other award ceremonies where they have pictures of the celebrities where they're going to see uh, where they're going to be seated. We printed out oh. you know, with the help of a couple of the art teachers, printed out some celebrity faces to decorate a couple of rows. So, you know, Ariana Grande was in uh -huh. Justin Bieber. So like that was funny. Um, we had this four month running joke 
that our choreographer was one of the original cast members of Little Shop on Broadway. And we ended up getting her like a custom Tony Award with her name on it. So we had a, a little ceremony be right before the live stream started with the whole cast near the pit. Like, so we made it, we tried to make it, it as fun and unusual as possible. So it wasn't just like a normal show. And because we know like you're going to be performing in front of 20 people scattered throughout the auditorium. Um, so we wanted to really go all out and make it as unique and special as we could. And I think they were definitely receptive to that. Like we ran around and did interviews with all the celebrities and it was, it was fun. Amazing. Was we talk a lot about leadership on the show, Jen. We talk about things that are spark moments. Uh, it's a big term on the show. Spark moments are just these, these pivotal moments in a person's life where good or bad, you look back at these moments and you realize that these were moments for you that really helped to, to, to take you down a certain path in life, right? Whether it's good or bad. And, and these spark moments often have such a, a large effect on, on our lives going forward. So what I want to say here is in a number of ways, I'm sure for you, this was a spark moment, not just as an educator, but, you know, a leader to kids, you know, somebody that's trying to inspire kids to do what they love. I know for my daughter, you know, she's she's a smart kid. She 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 does fine in school, um, but I know that this is her passion. And so we've been looking forward to, to her going to middle school. As scary as it is, we've been looking forward to it because we knew that she was now going to be exposed to the theater and she was going to be able to really see if she loved this yeah, or not. that's awesome. And so for her specific, and I know there's probably a hundred other kids that were like that in, in, in the musical. For her, I know this is going to be a spark moment for her. I know because I remember, and we, we, we talked about this via email, in that very same auditorium 27 <laughs> years ago, I was mug three, mug number three, and give my regards to Broadway. <laughs> really, there was no mug three. There was only Mugsy and, uh, because there were so many guys that fit the part. They wound up doing a Mugsy, and they did four mugs. That we, awesome. we each had one line. But I, I remember... Uh, and I did that under Michelle Lindsley, who who passed away. But I remember every day of rehearsal. I remember that same stuff, the late, the 7 to 8 o'clock rehearsals. Yep. I remember the day. It is a memory I will never forget. And I didn't turn into a theater kid <laughs> by any means. But, like, you know. But I it meant for, something. It meant something. And for my daughter to to know that she had that memory, it means so much to me as a parent. You know, so so what you did, what you guys all did um, to pull together and, and use that creative solution to make it happen you know, I can't thank you enough for it. I'm sure oh the kids God. thank you. And thank you. Like for, I sent out right after the show Friday night, I sent out on remind just a thank you to parents. Saw that, you yeah. know, like obviously like I, we, we have a really good relationship with our, with the students in the cast, but just this year, especially I can't express like how much the parent support has meant. Like it's, and it was an unbelievable amount of support, like throughout, not even just this week, but just throughout the entire process of just everyone being so kind and helpful. And it really just, it totally blew my mind because I was not expecting that at all. Um, so thank you and thank all the other, thank all the other parents who were involved because it made it so much more special knowing that you guys were on board and you know, we were, it really was a team effort on all fronts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we're happy to do it when, when you're when you're providing that kind of attention to our kids and, and that kind of leadership. It's you know, that's what we're there for. We're there for support. So any any final thoughts before we move on to our next guest on on what's going on right now? Any advice? Any thoughts? 
so it's it's interesting because we when Dominic and I took over this is our first year directing together Dominic has been involved with the play since he was a kid he did the stage management he's been you know volunteering just even when he was in college he's been an assistant director for a few years so this is the first time he and I are like you know the two directors yep. and we went into this along with Mr. Hulse, Mr. Franzino and Miss Dello Iacona we went into this really like a team like we were all on the same page we were preaching positivity we were, we were really trying to set a different tone than what has existed you know in, in in prior years we wanted this to be like our you know our little project and I, it's so funny how that is really carried through throughout all all parts of the rehearsal process but then especially like you know what ended up happening yeah you know that friday like it just it's just i don't think ironic's the right term but just maybe serendipitous in a way yeah which is like oh like this was this is how it was supposed to turn out and like i know like at first we were upset about the turnout but i'm like you know what no one will ever hopefully no one will ever have this experience ever again and it got to be you know as a group we all got to do this together and i think that is really meaningful and like together for parents students you know the faculty involved just really having that team effort from the start, I think made such a difference. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the only way that we're gonna get past this time is as a team. Yeah, and, and no matter absolutely. what, no matter what it is we're dealing with, if we're not working as a team, then we're not working. So it's true. Great advice, Jen. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate thank it. You. All it right, absolutely, thank you. absolutely. That was such a great example of creativity in, in times like this, you know, I think why I was so adamant about doing a a special episode this week surrounding the coronavirus crisis, but not particularly the crisis, the the solutions to keep us moving forward. That's what this really is about. And I think why I was really attracted to doing this this week is because of what I have seen, be it on social media, be it with clients. I have been in crisis control mode with my clients for the last probably seven to 10 days, particularly the last three days have been out of this world. For those of you that are not in New York, I'm sure you're all, you're all dealing with your own struggles in your own states. We're just outside of Manhattan and, and New York City, uh, New York City's five boroughs. Our schools were closed on Friday. They announced the closure from Monday and Tuesday. And then Sunday, they announced that New York City schools were going to be closed until like the end of April or something like that and put all these limitations in New York City on large gatherings and, and restaurants and this and that. And so that's where the, re the freak out really started. Uh, they also Sunday announced that schools on Long Island would be closed for the next two weeks. So I think when those guidelines come into play, that's when the hysteria starts. And I don't want to use that word hysteria. I don't use it lightly because I do feel that a lot of the reaction is warranted. And this is super serious and we have to remember that. But what do we do as leaders? What will a leader do? What have I always said? A leader will stand up and say, I'll do it. And so in this case, I want to be one of those people that is talking about the positivity, that is talking about how to move forward. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I am a business owner. I am a public speaker. I have had numerous keynotes canceled in the last few days. This week, all of my traveling keynotes for the month of March and the month of April have all been canceled, every single one of them. And so all that revenue is down the toilet. 
all of the revenue from being a keynote speaker, from the business that would have come subsequently from my keynotes, that's all gone. And that's a big chunk right there. Now, my core business, Launchpad 516, my consulting firm, that's not too affected in terms of revenue, but my clients are affected. My clients are affected. I think 30% of our customer base are, are in the restaurant and bar industry, in the food service industry. And so they're getting hit really, really hard. Um, and so they've been freaking out. So I worry for my clients because if my clients aren't succeeding, then I'm not succeeding. And so there's been a lot of nerves this week uh, surrounding this. You know, when things start closing, I think you naturally just start getting nervous. And then when it starts having a real big effect on you, potentially long term, it's fucking scary, man. And so I'm going to repeat the major guidelines to getting through this. Wash your goddamn hands, number one, and don't touch your face. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you doing that. Put that hand down and wash it. All right. That's number one. Number two, listen to these guidelines. I get it. It's a pain in the ass. I know if I weren't in a position right now where I have a flexible schedule and my kids are off from school and, and this would have been a child care issue, this would have been a bigger deal to me too. And, and I get that there are so many parents out there that are in that position. I get that there are food service workers. I get that there are bartenders and waiters and waitresses and and that it's affecting your livelihood. I completely, completely get that. But you know what I also get? Death. And I'd rather not be dead. You know, am I overreacting here when I say that? Maybe. I don't know. But when we start using those words, it's a little fucking scary. You know what I mean? I'm not going to play around with that. I'd rather lose a few bucks for a few weeks regroup in a couple of weeks and move forward. Now, about losing those few bucks, that's what I want to talk about here. Does it have to be that way? Possibly. Can we get a little creative? Yeah. Fuck yeah, we can get creative. That's what I do, man. That's what I do. I'm all about the creative. I'm all about the strategy. And so we have to stand up and figure out a way to move forward right now. We can't tell the future. And so in order to control the future, we're gonna have to control what we do now. I'm gonna give you a good example. Yesterday, I hosted a business mastermind call. I called clients, I called colleagues, I called executives, I called friends, I called anybody that either has a stake in the game or anybody that has good ideas or anybody out there that's just willing to share. And we hopped on a Zoom call. Uh, there was about 15 of us on the call. There was another 15 on the list who received the video of this call. And we talked strategy. It was food service industry, events, production, musicians, promoters, technology companies. I mean, there was everything. There was coaches on there. There was realtors, travel agents. I mean, any kind of industry you can imagine, we were all there and we talked it out. We talked about our problems. We talked about solutions. How do we move forward? Here are some creative ideas. It was really beneficial. And I did what I do. I facilitated, right? I facilitated. I talked. I, I, I told people my ideas. They shared their ideas, which were, by the way, brilliant ideas that I never would have thought of. And I'm supposed to be the strategy guy. 
But you know what? I shared with my community. In fact, not only did I share with the community, I created a community out of thin air yesterday. Poof. Community built. 30 people that didn't potentially didn't know each other, now they know each other and they're allies to each other and they're helping themselves. They're helping get past this time right now, this difficult time for all of us where every morning I have to wake up to a press conference and then midday there's another press conference and those are going to basically guide how the rest of my day is going to go. And guess what? Yesterday, it was a shit show. Both press conferences led to 48 phone calls immediately following the press conferences with fires that I had to put out at work. And I get it and it sucks. But you know what I did? I put those fires out. And I helped people put their fires out and we moved forward. And so that's why I did this show today. I didn't want to sensationalize coronavirus or COVID-19, COVID. Do they call it COVID or do they spell it out? Who knows? I didn't want to sensationalize this. That's not what this was about. I wanted to talk. I wanted to communicate with my community, which includes you, by the way. Yeah, you. You, it's listening right now on your iPhone in bed, in your feety pajamas, in your onesie. I'm talking to you. I wanted to communicate with you. I wanted to share my experience with you in order to help you and your situation. And I hope that you will reach back out to me to help me with mine because that's what a goddamn community does for each other. Don't you get this, guys? This is what leadership is about. This is what I've been trying to tell you. These times right now are when leadership matters. When the shit hits the fan, I'm going to get through this next few weeks just like we all are. And if you think you're not going to get through it, you're wrong. But if you don't get through it successfully, that's, that's your own doing. That's your own doing. Get creative. I have heard so many creative ideas in the last couple of days They have blown my mind. We just heard Jen Clock talk about this creative solution to a problem that they had. That in essence, in essence, that saved the the spirit of of a couple of hundred sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, that creative solution that put a smile on all their faces, that gave them this memory that they will never forget, all because somebody was willing to stand up and come up with a solution. That being said, I want to bring on our next guest today. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to have a few guests today. This is a different format. This is the the launch cast is ever changing. We don't we don't do just one thing. We want to keep you guessing. And so we're going to bring another guest on today to continue this conversation because that's what we need to do. Let me bring her on screen. This is my friend Jennifer Muccioli. Hello Jen. Hello. Hi. Uh, Jen has been on here before because she helped me co-host the Carol Silva episode, episodes 105 and 106, two of our highest rated episodes. Was it Carol? Was it Jen? We don't know. We'll never know. We don't know. We'll never, ever know. know. Uh, Jen is also the co-host of Sanity is Overrated, which is one of my podcast on my repertoire, my subscribed podcast that I listen to every two weeks when they come out with a new episode. Uh, Jen co-hosts along with Laurel and Rob, and uh, they have a hysterical podcast, which I love listening to, which, by the way, 
started off filming the first few episodes right here in the Launchpad Studios. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for being here today, Jen. You're welcome. I'm so happy to join you. And, yes, the place where it all started. Where it all started. You know who sat right here in this seat? Jeff. Jeff yeah. sat right here in my seat. I feel so honored. <laughs> we, we call him effervescent Jeff, our technical director. Let yes. me do my impression. Ready? Hello. That's my Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> he, so, he's come a long way since you last saw him oh we yeah huh? say one, yeah we get him to say one sentence now so. <laughs> um so jen why i wanted to have you on here today in the capacity of a, a fellow podcaster you know this is uh this is a crazy time right now and so you know we're not journalists by any means but we have a platform we have followers and there's a reason why we do this. So I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on right now. And as a leader, as a, as a podcaster, as a leader out there, what are your thoughts on what our responsibility is right now? Yeah, I think it's a great question, George. I think um, it's a question I know my team and I are talking about. Uh, my co-host, Rob McCaffrey, Laurel Rizzo, our tech dire technical director, uh, Jeff, we're talking about what is our responsibility to our listeners right now and how can we best help them through this unusual and unprecedented time in our society. And I think the conclusion that we have come to as a team is we keep going. That's our responsibility is that we keep going. Our podcast is structured to talk about issues that people are, are juggling every day. We call our fans the jugglers. Um, and we share our stories with them in the hopes that our strategies help at least one listener out there. We do this by remaining positive. We look for diverse opinions and we use a little bit of humor to temper and moderate um, how we're communicating. And I think there's been no greater time now for all our jugglers to unite around how are we going to get this together? So we really want to make sure that we're communicating to all of our listeners, new and existing, we're, we're with you, we're in this together, and, and we're going to rise above and come out on the other side better for it. I love that, that, that positivity. I spoke about it a little bit earlier during my interview with Jen Clock and during the transition. You know, it's funny that you're on here today because you helped me interview Carol Silva, and we actually had a really powerful segment with Carol where we spoke about some big things that happened in our own history, whether it was 9-11 or, or Sandy hitting Long Island, hitting the East Coast. And we talked about how important it was that she was on the air for us. She was our person on the air that brought us that news. And so, you know... Whether this is news, whether this is entertainment, whether this is just thought leadership, what we do, I think there's a place for it. I think what people look for right now is a sense of normalcy, you know, and, and this episode being about how to keep the world spinning in a comfortable manner while we're all going through this. I think it's important that there are options out there like podcasts, you know, like TV entertainment. Some live entertainment now is really having a, a tough time. I talked with Jen Clock before about her show being canceled and then rescheduled as a live stream. Uh, we're going to be talking to Speakers Who Dare later, the, the producers from Speakers Who Dare, um, about how they have changed their formatting. I myself have, I think, six keynotes that were canceled in the last week coming up for March and April. 
And so live live entertainment not being an option anymore, you know, people heavily rely on on what we do. And I'm I personally am I'm really up for the challenge, and I'm excited to be able to bring the conversation to the forefront. Yeah, and I think people are really looking for those familiar voices through all of this. They're looking for those people who they identify with, they have a connection with, and someone that's going to really walk with them through this journey and not just tell them, you must do this, you must do this, it's socially responsible to do this and that, but just saying, hey, I'm right there with you. Look, my, my daughter took her first virtual Taekwondo class tonight. Her, her um, Dojang said, look, we're closed, but what we're going to do is we're going to live stream all of our classes. You're going to check in with us, right? Her drum teacher, her DJ teacher, my, my son's teacher, as, as your kids go to school too, they've sent us lesson plans. So I think everyone, whatever situation you're in and whatever circles you're in, be it social circles or family circles, we're all looking for those familiar people that we identify with and we connect with to just say, I'm in this with you. And our fans are no different. They've come to rely on our, our episodes. They look forward to it. They engage with us. And I think we have a really great responsibility to not let them down in this situation. Can you tell me how you're feeling right now with all this? I'm, I'm just curious. You know, I'm a juggler. I'm a, first and foremost, um, the reason why we put together our uh, podcast, um, Sanity is Overrated, is because we, first and foremost, we're jugglers. And, you know, on a daily basis, without COVID-19 hitting our airwaves, we felt that there was a real issue we needed to tackle. And that is, how does, um, how do we handle it all? And, and so I think even going into covid I had a level of anxiety that said, how can I possibly manage between my work life and my home life uh, and my social life? I, I wanted to talk about those things. I wanted to tackle big elephants in the room. Uh, and, and this added to that, right? So this added to our, yes, we must be talking about anxiety. We must be talking about strategies to overcome uh, how we handle relationships differently and how we connect with people differently. So if anything, um, not only am I feeling uh, anxious, I'm also feeling optimistic that it is giving us the uh, permissions we needed, those reinforcements we needed to talk about these things. Um, for me, the biggest topic we're tackling with our podcast right now is keeping people's emotions and mental health in check and what are those resources available to them uh, if they're really struggling and they need that that extra guidance through yeah you know the positivity around this is what's going to get us through Jen clock earlier talked about uh, team you know using the team leaning on the team to get you through this kind of stuff you know uh, in your in your other life as a as a professional I'm sure this has been really affecting work. We talked a little bit before uh, we started the interview about change management. Do you see a normalcy coming anytime soon? Look, you're talking to a person that has redefined that word normal about a hundred times since last Wednesday. (laughs) Um, So I'm not really quite sure what normal looks like. But yes, I believe that 
What we're experiencing now is our largest change management program ever. The entire country is going through it. And so I think coming out of this, we will all be redefining what normal looks like. Um, and and I'm not sure, maybe more of the, these virtual connections will become the norm. Maybe more of these meal kits that restaurants are selling and craft kits that craft stores are selling and all of these different ways that we are connecting with one another, with our families, with our environment, uh, maybe that will become the new normal. So maybe the new normal hasn't even yet been uh, revealed itself. Maybe somewhere next week, some new normal is going to rise up and we're all going to be now shifting focus and, and going in that way. That's what I think we have to prepare ourselves for, is prepare for the things we don't yet know and be ready to receive them. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. You know, you and I in our professional lives, we deal with conference calls all the time, you know, Zoom calls and Skype calls. And and I'm noticing now since our kids go to the same school that I'm watching some other parents try and navigate um, Google Classroom and and at-home learning uh, with some of the digital resources that the school is providing. They really don't know where to start. Since you and I may be familiar with this kind of stuff and other people aren't, I think it's kind of cool that everybody's sort of being forced to to look at this right now and redefine what it means to communicate digitally. And yeah, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe we we learn to grow. We we specifically talked about a colleague of mine and I the other day we talked about how easily some large organizations have shifted to 100% at-home work. And some companies that I know are doing this for at least the next four weeks, if not longer. And then you think about the office space that they're in in Manhattan that cost them probably a few hundred thousand dollars a month. And you kind of go, you know what? Is that really necessary? It's kind of it's kind of weird to look at that kind of stuff and go, you know what? You can completely operate remotely. What are we doing here? You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just an interesting point. Yeah, and look, I'm... Uh... I'm a, one of those early adopters right there with you. As soon as a new technology comes out, I'm, I'm usually second in line behind you, George, on getting ready to adapt to the new technology. But I even found myself in a situation yesterday with my daughter's fourth grade teacher saying, now what's that password to Raz Kids and how do I get into Dreambox? And, and it's not because I, I wasn't comfortable. It's because I had to almost retool my brain in that moment to think, uh, not only am I going to be a worker through this, I'm now going to be an educator. Yeah. And those are two very different mindsets to straddle during one day. I'm one person, and now I'm, I'm being asked to work an entire day and educate, uh, educate a child, right? And, and I think I was about an hour into it when I said to myself, my God, teachers need to make a bazillion dollars a year. A bazillion dollars a year because I can't handle doing that and doing that well. So if I didn't appreciate teachers before, which I certainly did, man, do I appreciate them now. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually curious to see what this looks like in a few weeks because so I it sounds to me like you've jumped in with with the home learning and making sure that they they're not going to miss a beat. We personally took the viewpoint of 
hey, we're going we're gonna to make sure the work is done that's being assigned. And we're in a little bit of a different situation because my daughter being in middle school now, there actually, believe it or not, has barely been anything assigned so far for her. And so we're kind of taking this approach of let's just get the work done that they're assigning. They're not really going to be pushing out too much new learning at the moment, in my opinion. And then we'll see what this looks like in a couple of weeks. But meanwhile, I have seen some crazy setups on Facebook from some parents. Like, I'm super impressed. They've built, like, little mini schools. And I'm like, uh, my my kids haven't gotten out of their pajamas in the last five days, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think... I think that's incredible, isn't it? Just to show even in our little microcosm of where we live, the diversity of students. I have a son that is learns a little differently than others. So I have had to call in the reinforcements because I know I can't provide the level of learning yeah. that he needs during this time. So I've called in some really great reinforcements and they've set up a classroom for him. And, and so even the difference between how my daughter is learning and how my son is learning is vastly different. And so I give credit out there to all the moms and the dads and the grandmas and the grandpas and the aunts and the uncles and the teachers now that are taking on additional responsibility to help those that, that really need it. Yeah, for sure. What's the next episode about? Is this a Corona-centered episode or what? Give me a little tease. Yeah, yeah I'm giving you a little teaser. Yes, the team, um, we are being set up virtually as we speak. Um, And we will be bringing you an episode. Uh, It it was an episode that we had scheduled to do, but not until a little bit in the future episode on anxiety um, and how we manage through anxiety. But we found it very prudent to uh, move that fast forward it. Um, So our next episode will be on anxiety. But until then, uh, an episode did just drop on Tuesday. uh, And that is our birthday episode to our beautiful co-host Laurel Rizzo who turns 40 and we throw it back to the 80s with a good old TV themed quiz which spoiler alert she did miserably did that drop that drop today that dropped today oh my god I didn't get a notification I'm, I'm listening uh, on the drive home I, I'm so Laurel we have to shout this out because I know she knows now her party her surprise party was kiboshed (laughs) because of everything going on because the venue closed down so she can't have her surprise 40th but i'm so anxious to hear this anxiety episode because i have been giving your co-host some anxiety for the last couple of days (laughs) so for those that don't know her co-host laurel actually works with me here at my company and we have been doing damage control for all of the clients that we service that are freaking out right now about what's going on rightfully so and so Laurel and I have been working some social media damage control for them and, and you know, trying to trying to right the ships. So uh, I know she was super stressed yesterday, as was I. <laughs> yeah. Well, just play her some 1980s theme TV theme show music and it'll pep, put a pep right back in her step. She won't. She, loves she won't it know now. the theme. Big though. Fan. She won't know the theme, though. It's all right. Jen, thanks so much for for joining me. Guys, we're going to. We're going to continue the conversation and then hit another couple of guests later on. But again, I want to thank Jen for joining me. Catch the Sanity podcast. Sanity is overrated. Uh, Jen, give us the info. Sanity is overrated is a podcast for those who are juggling it all. Catch us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Google, wherever you get your podcast, we'll be happy to welcome you into our juggler family. All the good stuff. This juggler thing is new. I never heard that before. That's a new thing for you guys, huh? You must not be paying attention to our social media, George. Oh, I didn't catch it. Did you know that the insane clown posse followers are called juggalos? No, I didn't know that. You better be careful. You better be careful that no juggalos fall into your circle because you'll be in trouble. <laughs> no. Rob carefully curates all of our jugglers. Oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> all right, Jen. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Bye. All right. What's next here? Oh, oh. Launchpad 516. Fabrizio, put that good stuff on for this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like this. Launchpad 516. What can I say about this company? My life's work. I founded this company in 2013, and man, what a journey it has been since then. I took everything, everything that I've learned in business, in life, the mistakes, the successes, and I built this company with one mission in mind, and that was to go out there and fix businesses. And damn it, we have done it. Management consulting, what does that mean? You need help with growth strategy. Your company is failing. Your company needs help growing. Your company is doing good, but just needs that little extra push. That's us. We come in, we analyze, we work with your people, and we help you figure out how to get to the next level. I promise you that. Now, what else? Marketing? Sure. Media Convergence, the marketing agency within Launchpad 516. We have Fortune 500 clients and we do it all. Web design, web development, social media marketing, email marketing, SEO, pay-per-click, video and graphic production, all of it. Public relations? Yeah. We are a creative marketing agency and we get your brand out there, plain and simple. Welcome to creativity is our slogan, and we mean it. Now, what else? Coaching? Sure. We've been coaching for years. You just didn't know it. We've been coaching CEOs, COOs, C-level executives under our consults for years, but now with the leadership experience, we're taking it to the streets and we are coaching one-on-one -on -one with individuals like you. You need help with personal growth. You need help with career growth. You need help finding your leadership and changing the world. That's that. The leadership experience will do that for you. And all of this, it's under the umbrella of Launchpad 516. So visit us at launchpad516.com, launchpad, and the number's 516.com. Check out the link in our show notes. Let's change the world together, guys. Fabrizio, great choice on the music, buddy. All right, another remote guest. I am exhausted at this point. This is, this is more work than I have ever done on this show, ever. Two interviews. Two separate interviews, one show, and more coming. Ah, but I got to do it. I got to do it because this is what the Launch Dad does. And so I want to take a break from this for a second. I recently 
recently came in contact with uh, this bottle of Clorox wipes. It is 80% full. I found this in my bathroom cabinet here at the office. I'm willing to part ways with this for no less than $2 million. This starts with 75 wipes. I would imagine they're probably about 55 or 60 in here at the moment. When I say $1 million, make it $2 million for these wipes. No, seriously though, how crazy that that is going on. Not just a price gouging for reals online, but people trying to turn around and sell hand sanitizer and, and Clorox wipes and Lysol wipes. Like, holy cow, what is happening right now? I feel like by by next week, we're going to be like looting stores and, and robbing people for rolls of toilet paper. Like, come on, guys. Come on. Let, let's get with it here. I mean, this is serious, but come on. Let's let's not be dicks here and, and sell hand sanitizer for $100 a bottle. I mean, what the hell, man? <sighs> We're going to bring on another guest right now. So I want to shift the conversation a little bit. We've had a couple of guests already. And so right now I want to bring on my very, very good friend and colleague, Trisha Brooke. Let me bring you on screen, my friend. Oh, lovely. Look at that. Look at that. Hey, Trisha, how are you? I'm great, George. Thanks for having me. I think it's a good time to have these conversations. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So guys, if you don't know already, Trisha is an award-winning director. She's worked in theater, film, television. You need to catch her on episode 102 of the LaunchCast. We did the full treatment so you can hear more about her. But very specifically right now, I am speaking to her in her role as the executive producer of Speakers Who Dare, a very, very important speaking event that I, I had the honor of speaking on last year. Right now, I'll let Trisha tell the story of how this whole deal right now has affected Speakers Who Dare. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. I think that in this environment of uncertainty and fear, we have an opportunity, all of us, to innovate and to become creators. And I believe that that kind of resiliency is really, really important now in an environment of such fear and uncertainty and ultimately chaos. I live in New York City and the energy of the city is insidious, which is why your mindset and your communities are so, so, so important right now. Speakers Who Dare was scheduled is scheduled for March 24th at 10 a.m. It was scheduled to be a live event at the Triad Theater on 72nd Street. And when this all started happening, what I realized was I could innovate and I could turn that live event into a live stream and I could keep I could keep the speakers safe by removing the audience. So we went from no events for over 500 people to no events with over 50 people to no events with more than 10, no gatherings with more than 10 people to Broadway shutting down, all the theaters shutting down, all the restaurants and bars shutting down. Well, I want to I want to pause there because I do want to take this one step at a time in terms of what happened to you. So I want to talk about the first pivot first uh, and, and discuss that a little bit and then we'll move to the second pivot. Amazing. The first pivot was really removing the opportunity for anybody becoming infected by taking away the audience. So removing all of the audience members, giving them a full 
refund and giving them an opportunity to watch a live stream of all of my speakers at the Triad Theater, still putting on the show, still having the actors, the speakers, the performers, the music, the dance, the band on stage, but it would then be a, a group of 25 people rather than 155 people. That was the first moment of creative innovation. And I thought that was, it was so important and it was such a great move uh, on your part in doing that pivot because I've been in the shoes of, of these speakers. And so if you don't know the gravity from the outside of what Speakers Who Dare will do for you as a speaker, you do know from the inside being as a part of that community. And so this is a special moment for a lot of those speakers. Now, some of them have been there before and some of them have been been on the bigger stages before. But for some people there, it was their, their first real big, big stage and it was going to be life-changing for them. And so you giving them that opportunity and putting aside everything else, putting aside the business of Speakers Who Dare, make no mistake, everybody, you know, there is a business here behind this. It, it costs money to put on an event like this. And so those ticket sales are offsetting the costs and, and uh, you know, feeding a few people's families. And, and, you know, that's the point of all this. It keeps the world spinning. And so creating that pivot and giving these people an opportunity to still have that big stage, which is what you bring to people, to me, that was that was super, super special. And so you pivoted, right? And then you, you told your speakers. And so talk about that process uh, in terms of how they felt. They felt supported. They felt excited that now they had a global stage. And I did a post, I did a Facebook Live in the private Speakers Who, Ta Who Dare group about the fact that they were going from reaching 100 people in that theater to reaching potentially 100,000 people because yeah. the live stream can have global impact. And that was very exciting for them. Their friends and family who weren't able to come to New York City now were able to watch them perform on the Speakers Who Dare stage. That was very exciting. That made them feel really great. They were also excited about having a six-camera shoot. And then we got more news. Yeah. And so Sunday happened. And those that are not in the New York area that are listening right now, Sunday for us was a big day. I live out on Long Island which is outside of the five boroughs of New York City. And so we got the announcement in the morning that Nassau County was shutting down schools for two weeks, some limitations on businesses and all that, and then Suffolk County. And then in the evening, New York City basically announced that they were shutting down pretty much for the next month. Schools are shut down till the end of April. Bars and restaurants and, and clubs need to shut down. There can't be any gatherings, really, of a large amount of people. So... Um, what happened there? What was your mindset when that all went down? My mindset was to really balance being able to showcase the speakers, uh, give them a platform to share these important ideas, which are meaningful, inspiring, hopeful, and being a responsible producer. We were still underneath the number of people that was allowed to be in a space together. However, I knew that it was my role as director to make it safe for everyone. And I also knew that if I had said we're going to still live stream without an audience, people would have flown in. And that is how I made my decision. I knew that I needed to take 
I needed to make the decision for everyone. I needed to be the person who was going to create an environment that was safe. I needed to make sure that my speakers were safe. I needed to make sure they were not going to come here and then take anything home with them. So I was very clear in that there is no live stream. <laughs> There's nobody going to the theater. We will not be doing what I was hoping we would be doing. However, I believe that if you all submit a video to me, carefully directed by me, I can put together a Speakers Who Dare film. And it was such an incredible moment of, wait, what? And then all of the light bulbs went off. Going from thinking they were gonna be live on a stage with, a, with a, an audience of 100 to being live streamed on a stage to an empty theater, moving from you're asking me to record a video of myself in my home doing the talk and you're going to create a film out of this, that was a beautiful process to witness because I do know that it's going to be an incredible innovative film. The way we've talked about these speakers delivering their one once was a presentation to, hey, I'm going to talk about something that's really important. I want you to hear it. That kind of intimate communication style, it's going to be amazing. And these speakers have rallied. They have shown up for one another. They are talking about having an award ceremony about who has the best background, who has the best wardrobe. They are just beyond thrilled to be given an opportunity to share the message. And this is why starting with you today about gratitude and community and mindset, we could have canceled the C word, right? <laughs> we could have postponed. Not everybody might have been available. What was really important to me is to find a way to support these speakers in community so that they can share their important messages because we need to be inspired right now. We need to be reminded that there's more than what is happening. And I am not giving light. I'm not giving um uh, I'm not uh, making light of everything that's happening and people who are losing jobs and people who are ill. I know that we are going to get through this and we are meant to be going through this. And when these speakers take this platform on Tuesday at 10 a.m., we are going to be reminded what's bigger than us. And that's really important. So I'm going to ask you a leadership question now because... I tried putting myself in your shoes in this situation. It must have been tough. Talk to me about what it felt like to, again, contact these speakers a second time uh, and to explain to them how you were going to be pivoting this time from a, from a live stream event to, to the movie. What did that feel like in terms of I, – I want to hear about the emotional side of it you know, because there is an emotional tie to this event and to the speakers after you've been working with them for a while. How I did this, George, was I did a Facebook Live in our private group, and I went through every speaker one at a time, and I, it, I painted the picture of how I imagined them delivering their talk. Carol, I think you're going to be able to talk about stage fright and stage might in your living room. I've seen that comfy couch, and I would love to hear you tell me that story from there. Alexandra? I think that you could have tea with a friend while you deliver this incredible message. I literally went through every single speaker's idea 
and imagined how I could see them performing it from a location that was personal and intimate. And I literally went down the list and I painted the picture of the film that I saw in my mind. I'm excited for them. I don't, I don't know how they feel about, about this pivot, but just knowing your work, the type of work you put out, I don't know if I, if I had to pick, am I going to be in a Trisha Brooke movie or in Speakers Who Dare? I might actually pick the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited for them because it's going to be incredible. How are you pulling this together in a matter of like a week now, right? I am <laughs> pulling it together. It's what I do. Right. I I make shit happen, George. You make shit happen. We will leave it at that. How are you faring uh, personally with all this? You're in You're in the city. You live in the city. How are you feeling? I am feeling fine. I am conscious. I'm washing my hands. I am uh, being mindful of the energy and not allowing it to permeate me at all. Meditation, sleep, continuing to be uh, mindful about your energy level and all of that. And I have... Um, I have a message to share and it's these, these 22 speakers and I have a job to do. And it's really, really important that we show up for each other in community right now more than ever. And you have shown me that as well within your community, George. So I think that I am in complete flow. I understand that I am uh, living in the eye of the storm, but thankfully I can work from home and I'm, honored and thrilled beyond measure to be able to present the speakers who dare 2020 in this format this year. Yeah, I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you mentioned being mindful of how you feel and that you're in flow right now, because that's that's important. It's so easy right now to get caught up in what's going on. We actually named this episode. Episode 116 is called We All Live in a Mellow Quarantine. And it happened as like a kitschy thing where I came up with, ooh, submarine and quarantine rhyme and how can I what rhymes with yellow, right? And I made this great graphic for this episode. And then when I found mellow, I was like, you know what? This is actually how we feel right now. This is how, because I I walk, this is my day right now. I wake up every day. I'm working from home most of the day with my wife. And then I need to do some studio stuff, which is in my office. And once I leave the house, and it doesn't help that it's been kind of a gray sky for the last few days, even when the sun's out. But once I leave the house and I'm here, it's just this mellow, like kind of blah feeling. So I, I definitely want people to listen to that advice and be mindful of how you feel and just keep the world turning. Like we like we said, you know, do what you can to keep the world turning. Don't look at the negativity. Trisha was nice enough to join me on Monday. I hosted a business mastermind session. It wasn't a class. It was a session with uh, clients and business owners and executives and and a lot more that weren't on the call that got the the video afterwards because I wanted to share and so it was important it was it was a bunch of us just on the on Zoom figuring out how to keep our businesses going how to grow how to thrive and how to be creative so I think this pivot or these few pivots you've made are so creative and I you know I applaud you for these moves as my good friend Ross Geller would say pivot pivot <laughs> pivot pivot I love that couch. Yeah. So, Trisha, thank you so much for being with me. Uh, I appreciate it so much. And stay safe out there. You too. Anytime you call, I'm going to show up. Thank you, my friend. You know, the, this whole this whole concept of, of pivoting and, and really coming up with creative solutions uh, has been the, the mantra during this show right now. You know, Trisha, as I mentioned, was on that mastermind call that we did on Monday. And it was just, 
you know, it's so important to, to, to have these conversations right now and to really, you know, explore how we can make this a better situation for ourselves. And so uh, we actually had a surprise guest that yeah. walked into the office. We have my friend Rob McCaffrey here. What's happening, buddy? What's up, man? Yeah. Uh, so Rob actually stopped by to to pick something up, and I said, "Hey, man, why don't you hop on here while we're we're socially distancing ourselves a little yes. bit here? We didn't no bro hug or anything. No, we didn't touched. No elbows. <laughs> we didn't no, do anything. No foot kicks. Nothing. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, I wanted to. I, I thought it'd be an interesting idea to talk to Rob a little bit. Rob is a friend of the show uh, for many reasons. So one is he is one of the co-hosts of Sanity is Overrated. We had Jeff Muccioli on earlier. And uh, Rob is also an actor in New York mm-hmm. City. He's a native Long Islander. He's actually a fellow farming dealer. We went to school together. We did. Class yeah. of 96. Class of 97 There we go. Yep. Uh, East Memorial, class uh-huh. of 91. Yeah. Oh, I was, uh, what was I? Woodward <laughs> Parkway. Oh, you were? Wood- yeah, I went to Woodward for one year. But before then, I was at the old St. Killian's school. I did what? that for five years. Wait, yeah. you didn't go to East Memorial? No. Oh, why did I think you went to East Memorial? I don't Memorial? know. I, oh, maybe, I remember I used to do summer theater there when i used to do like that did you do summer horizons no no i wasn't that smart we're so deep in this no but there was something nobody knows what we're talking about when we were in school together were you did we know each other were you in chorus with me i was in chorus all right so that's where we know each other from probably what Mm -hmm. it is yeah because i was the star of course (laughs) (laughs) and we were talking about this earlier so you did uh wait so i don't know what grade were you did the middle school musical or no yes with Miss Lindsley? Michelle Lindsley? No, no. She wasn't there yet. So this is I before th- Lindsley. So I think I did it in eighth grade, so that means you were in ninth. So it was with Miss Aquilina. She was Aquilina, there. Aquilina, Miss right. Aquilina was there. And then um, and then Miss Lindsley sh- came around after whoever. I can't remember the name of the teacher's name, but she was the chorus teacher at Farmingdale. And then she left. And so Lindsley came in my, like my sophomore year. In high school. In high school. Okay, 10th grade. so this was junior high, though. Wait, were you in Select Corral? And of course I was. With Miss Chung? Yes. <laughs> that's and, where we and Jen And that's, Jen Micioli. That's where. <laughs> wait, no, she didn't go to Howitt. She though. did go. She did go to Howitt. Oh, my gosh. She went we to, she went to Howitt, she, but then she went to that Catholic school. What is St. Dominic's? Uh, or Trinity. Saint, Trinity. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Look I gave that. that up a long time ago. Look at that. Yeah. See? But you were in chorus with me. Oh, right. man. Okay. Yeah. That's what it is. Wow. Okay. I, I had this whole time I thought you, you had gone to Salzman. To no, I didn't. I didn't go to East Memorial. I used to do summers there when they had like a theater arts program. You know, everyone went to rec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And My went outside and played. That. Yeah. Well, yeah. so I stayed indoors. I was an indoor kid <laughs> doing all those shows. And actually, it was funny before you mentioned that the high school kids at uh, Howitt were doing um, Little Shop of Horrors because yeah. I, was the, I was the dentist. Oh. I did the dentist, and everybody's mom and dad, like, anytime I come around, like, they're like, you know, I remember when you were the dentist, when you were back. I was like, yeah, I know, I played the dentist. So that was like my tour de force when I was 13 years old. My daughter was in the ensemble this year. She's a sixth grader, though, so so we were just so proud she even got in. Uh, but uh, I mentioned to you earlier, we interviewed at the beginning of this show Jen Clock. So she's the okay. director. I think she's a social studies teacher, we All had right. said, at the middle school, but she was one of the directors mm-hmm. of this play. And you know, they pivoted. They had a uh, a situation where the play was supposed to be on Friday and Saturday. Right. They canceled. They reinstated it and did a live stream just to go over it. That's and great. Uh, yeah, it was it was just such a I think a brilliant move in terms of you, you remember those memories. I, I I talked about this before, but 
I didn't wind up being a theater kid down the line. I could have been because sure. it really sure. was a lot of interest to me. But I, I will never forget that experience in eighth grade of doing Give My Regards to Broadway. I still yeah. have the VHS. I mean, it was like one of the best moments in my schooling. And so the fact that my daughter still got to have that, that was incredible. I think it was a great idea for them to to do that. It, you know, the work that goes in to putting a production on between, you know, the the – the actual performers and the direction and the lights and the sets. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot to put on a performance and then for for it to be taken away right. from them. I mean, it's it's got to be devastating because so much work yeah. put into it. And, you know, it, it, it happens at that level. It's happening at the level, you know, at, on Broadway in New York. I mean, everything's shut down. I have some friends who – I have one friend who just was just in um, – he was just – the lead in um, Ain't Too Proud, the mm -hmm. uh, Temptations musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in for like two weeks and now he's done. So, I mean, you know, they're waiting for them to reinstate um, gatherings out there. But the, um, the, the whole Broadway community is, they're trying to find ways to um, still connect yeah. uh, while we're all, you know, in our own homes yeah. quarantined. Yeah. So, um you know, and the reason I'm here right now is because I needed some equipment to yeah. uh, do some um, to do some auditions because all of the auditions were canceled. All the studios are closed. Um, all of the different regional theaters are um, they're they're moving towards tape submissions uh, in the hopes of their summer seasons to be going on. I mean, we don't know what's going on with that just yet, but um, everybody's helping each other out via you know was it, whether it be Skype or Zoom or. Um, uh, you know, on on um, FaceTime, and everybody's trying to find ways for us to all help each other. And it's amazing how um, people come together, especially in our industry. I, yeah. I, I was I was actually very uh, impressed by it. Yeah, it, it's so interesting to look at at different industries. I mentioned before we had this mastermind call on Monday with mm -hmm. a lot of industries represented. You know, uh, retail, food and beverage was represented, mm -hmm. manufacturing, event. There was, uh, uh, we had a promoter there and, a, and a, an artist manager for, you know, celebrity artists that yeah. was on the call. And it was like, everybody is hurting so badly. And you, uh, you, you know, you, you're an actor, but yeah. you also, and now you bartend to fill oh, in, right? Oh, forget it. You know, I mean, thankfully I'm doing all right, yeah. you know, financially right now. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely tightening my own belt. And yeah. um, it's... I, I feel bad for the the people who who are especially people who are living here and paying the kind of rent they're paying in New York. I mean, they're they're in a pickle. Yeah. And um, we have no idea how long this is going to be. Um, I I the only thing I can give right now to my friends and and the people that I that I love that are part of my community is support. You know, give yeah. phone calls. How you doing? Um, it's there's there's uncertain times, man. And um, I, I try to keep my, my head, you know, level. Yeah. Um, and I hope that, you know, if other people need some, you know, some, some help, some support that, you know, I can give that to them and we yeah. can give it to each other, you know, especially right now. I mean, you really came through today. I really appreciate it. Oh man. Anytime. I really anytime. do. Yeah. Whatever I can do to help just burn that uh, light. When you're done yeah, for it, sure. Please. It's yeah. gone. Burn it, set it on fire. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit first about the bartending now. So what is the feeling now in that industry in terms of like what, so what are they saying to you when they're saying you're not coming in? Are they giving you any indication? Or no, what? I mean the, the bartending that I do are event bartenders. So yeah. basically it's not like I work at a, uh, at a, at a, at a restaurant that has, that I go, that I go to and I have a schedule. Yep. Basically what I do is I, they, it's a, 
you know, a will call or at will type work. And they'll call me and they'll be like, all right, so for the month of March, we have these dates. Uh, Can you work? And then I say, okay, fine. So then I, you know, I move like an app and we we set up a schedule. And I could work as much or as little as I want. Yep. Um, And then a couple of weeks ago, one of my companies that I work for, they they canceled one huge event. And I was like, okay. Then they canceled the other event. So then what I did was I called my guy out here that I work for in Roslyn. And I was like, hey, man, like, you know, I, I, I can work tonight. Do you have a shift? And he was like, we canceled everything for March. So I was like, okay. So I kind of knew it was, I had a, a feeling that yeah. things were going to, um, to end up that way. I, I was like, hmm, I think there's going to be more to this. And, um, but I, 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 there's no indication when we're going to have, you know, when, when these events are going to be rescheduled. Um, like I said, it's very uncertain because, um, and there's a lot of money and preparation put on these things and they're gone just like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. We had an event planner on our call on Monday as well, a yeah. uh, local guy and everybody's hurting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I, I really feel for people. I personally had, you know, because I traveled to speak as well for keynotes and I had, uh, five or six keynotes that were canceled for the month yeah. of March and April, the month of March and April. It was, it was nuts. So that's really where we're at. And look, man, I'm, I'm not, I, I would, I don't know how to, I'm, I don't, I'm not very political or anything like that. Yep. So I'm, I'm dealing with right in front of me and the people in front of me. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of human beings helping other human beings, yeah. uh, in your small little communities. Yep. And, um, you know, like the other day I just, I mean the coffee place in the city, I mean, in, in Farmingdale yeah, yeah, yeah. Flux, I, uh, I stepped in, I got my cup of coffee and I, I had my bike and I took all of his um, his orders to the post office. Oh, nice! You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the I mean, that's really what I can do. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey man, I'm I'm moving. Do you want me to bring this to the post office? Absolutely. Yeah. And I brought all of his um his online orders for his yeah. coffee there. So um, I think that that I, I just want to be of service in this time. I have yeah. the time. I have the I have the um the time, and I'm I'm relatively healthy. You know yeah. so. I, I, I want to try and be a service. And I think that that helps me. That helps me cope with being cooped up and not having where to go and not having, you know, work to do because yeah. I like to work. I am not a workaholic, but I, I like being busy. Yeah. I like being around people and everything that I do is everything you can't do. Right. You know, right, being right. around people, serving people, you know, being the life of the party. That's, that's something that isn't available to me right now. Yeah, well, that service mentality, that servant leadership, we talk about that on mm-hmm. the show all the time. This is what's going to get us through right now. Absolutely. We have to, we have to kind of work together as a team. And, uh, you know, uh, I've said this ad, ad nauseum, but it's it starts with, our, I guess, our attitudes and how we're dealing with crisis right now. You know, so, uh, you know, the fact that you have that kind of attitude, it kind of shows yeah. uh, to me what kind of person you are. Um, what are you doing on a daily basis? How are you turning lemonade, lemons into lemonade now? Well, you know... Um because all of the, um, well, actually, first off, I get out and I ride my bike, yeah. staying away from everybody. But I think it's um, we're think supposed it's okay. to. We are, we are. We're still. Yeah, but we're like, supposed I to. get on my bike and I and I ride around and I get some get some sunshine, get that vitamin yeah. D, um, get my head straight. It always helps me think. Um, now that we have, now that we have moved to tape submissions, uh, my agent sends me. The auditions and I get all the material. There's, you know, I have the sides. I have all the tracks that I have to listen to and you know to accompany me with my singing and yeah. the songs. 
and I've just been been filming those things and hopefully you know that I'll send that out and another one will come in and I'll do those and hopefully someone will come in that and we'll get a job yeah but like that's the hustle yeah that's always the hustle it's just it's just thinking about it a different way and um but it, it's been really interesting because everybody who is in the same boat who in this this is the middle of audition season this is like you know people's bread and butter for the summer you know uh, they're they're looking to to book work yeah. from like June through September. Sure, you know, and and all the regional theaters all over the place, Northeast, Midwest, they're all you know they're they're moving to these um, tape submissions. So, um, trying to do it as 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 easy as possible, um, being specific, being specific in what I'm auditioning for, um, helping out the casting directors, you know, letting them know what I'm right for, and um, because they're they're the casting directors, they're in a pickle too, man. Yeah, they're in a mess because they they have to now they have to sort through all the submissions and they have to send them to the different regional theaters. So, yep. I think um, I think being very specific about what you're auditioning for and you know giving them your best, the best you can do. Yeah, that's yeah. really what I'm doing right now. Yeah, well, I'm happy to hear that they're actually you know, not just getting more creative in terms of accepting those video submissions, but the fact that they're accepting submissions mm-hmm. kind of says something, right? It does. I mean, they were, I mean, everybody's very optimistic that this is going to blow over qu- sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, and because the, the industry has to come back. You yeah. Know, the, they, they, I don't know the economics of it all off the top of my head, but I mean, people are, People are losing a lot of money, and it, and and performers are losing a lot of money. It just, and it does sound, it does sound like you know, woe is me. But you know, hey, we have to live. We man. all have to live, man. We have to live, yeah. absolutely. Um, and what you do uh, in terms of your acting, the shows, um, you were on Motown the Musical. You oh yeah, the I did that about yeah, I toured the country about about a year ago. I was on that musical. Yeah. That was that was a hoot. That's that's the kind of stuff, man. That that gets us through this. I, I've, I've talked about this before when we interviewed Carol Silva. We had a great conversation, uh, which I mentioned with Jen as well, but we had a great conversation where we talked about um, uh, tragedies that have happened, that mm-hmm. have befallen us, right? And I don't want to compare this to a 9-11 or a Hurricane no, Sandy, no, no, no. nothing like that. But, you know, we're in a, we're in a weird time right now, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we're feeling a certain type of way, and, sort of, and so we sort of have to get out of that. I remember back to 9-11 where it was that feeling of, you know, a few days, a few weeks had passed and it was like, all right, when are we allowed to feel normal again? Mm-hmm. And what pops out of my head? I remember friends. Like I, I specifically remember when friends came back on the air. I remember when the Mets played their first game against the yeah. Braves. Oh yeah, I remember that. Man. Hit a home run. Um, you know, I remember when wrestling came. I remember when WWE had this big show and Vince McMahon comes out uh, onto into the ring and and gives this great big speech and everybody in the arena is, arena is crying. I mean, it was like these certain moments on TV and entertainment that really helped us to move through this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the shows you do, even these. Podcasts, as small as they are, you know, uh, the launch cast, Sanity is overrated. Yeah. Um, they're bringing a smile to people's face. They're going to. They do. I, I feel like when, when people listen, I like podcasts because uh, at some point you feel like you know the people. Yeah. In, in, in a sense, you feel like, you know, you know what they're going to talk about if you listen to it constantly. I think it's, it's, it's like a warm blanket for a lot of people. Yeah. I know it's, 
it's something that me and Laurel and um, and Jen, when we get together, you know, we have to keep on doing this because it's something we like to do. Yeah. And it gives us, we, we have the, the facility, you know, and the agency to do it yep. on our own and put it out there. And hopefully the people we have listening, you know, get something from it yeah. and feel a little comfort because <laughs> we're all alone. But I wanted to, when, when you said when, about, um, when we were doing Motown, that was like 2017, mm-hmm. 18, and there was a lot of things going on, especially when it came to the relationships between the black community and, uh, and the police. Yep. And um, there were a lot of things in that show that mirrored what was going on now that was going on back in the 1950s and the 60s. Yep. And, um, but the one thing I realized, that we were all over the place. I mean, we did a lot of down south, which, you know, we, uh, you know, we knew that that's where a lot of, animosity was and there, there's a lot of problems and for years and the one thing that i found was that this music brought everybody together you had people dancing in the aisles yeah all types of people because the music at the time what barry gordy was doing with motown he was bring he was trying to bring all these people together music for everybody mm-hmm. not just music played on the black station music for people who are black who are white at the time, and it brought those people together. Yep. And he believed that. And he, he, he was, he's still around. I mean, he used to come, and he'd sit us around, and he would explain to us, you know, why it's so important to do this show, especially at that time, especially in 2017 and 18. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we went out there every day, and we, I, I never felt that my cast or any of us were phoning it in. Because that music is just so infectious, yeah, and it's part of sure. our and it's part of our history. It's part of our American history. Yeah, yeah. So that was always great to go out there, and people loved it everywhere we went. So you everywhere got, you got to meet Barry Gordy. Oh yeah, man. Really? He, yeah, we met oh, Barry Gordy. Man. He um he came and he talked to us a couple legend. of times. He is a legend. Yeah, very 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 good man. Very smart man. And uh, it was that was an honor. That's something I'll I'll never forget. Yeah, you know. Oh, and that's I incredible. and I understand him better. I understand what his what he was doing with um you know with Motown over there at Hitsville in Detroit I he had a, he he saw the bigger picture yeah 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 so i don't know if that's something we need to see right now yeah i think we do i think we do i yeah. uh you know people are really focusing on the shit that just dr- <laughs> I, I, I don't get it involved in political stuff on facebook and no. i don't i don't do the facebook drama but um i i commented on a post earlier um that sort of uh, jumped out at me, and then the series of events follow that followed that. With that was your first mistake. Focusing, <laughs> and, dude, and dude, I cannot even tell you the last time I commented on a post like that. I cannot remember the last time that I followed uh, a, a post like that and commented on a post like that. But it drove me insane, and the shit that people were focused on around this is like is nuts. It's, it's amazing nuts. how people people. I mean, you find that like people will say things online. Because it's anonymous, yeah, or they have the screen in front of them that they would never say to somebody's face if they yeah. were sitting oh, face totally. to face. Oh, totally. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Keyboard tough guys. Oh, without a doubt, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a fan. Um, um, so uh, speaking of music, I, I, uh, I happen to listen to your newest episode of Sanity's Overrated this morning. Oh my god! For your game. Yes, and I won. <laughs> you won. By the way, I would have killed in that game. So if you guys do the sequel, you I want to be in. on that. Sure, because. Jen, uh, I think Jen curated that list of songs. That's not nearly, nearly some the entirety of, them, of '80s of '80s shows. There were some good ones. There were some, some 
wacko ones, which I'll talk to you personally about that, Jen. I forgot some of to them to were you. a little. <laughs> some of them were a little esoteric, but it, I was amazed at some of them where, like, they were in some deep dark recess in my mind. You know, because yeah. when you're a kid, they say you're a sponge. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, that's the show. Yeah. Well, that's there's the there's that thing where, and I heard your process. Some of them you started singing along. And didn't say the name of the show until like 10 seconds later. Exactly. Because you just thought you knew the words. You're like, all right, I automatically know the words of these. Some of them you were just playing with Laurel because she knew none of them. I was trying to <laughs> let her, I was giving her a little, I was, I was doing some training wheels on yeah. that one. <laughs> I love you, Laurel. All right. But I, I got you on that one. I'm sorry. Um, the, the first one, I knew which direction that game was going to go when she played the first one. It was the Gary Shandling, <laughs> the Gary, Gary Shandling show. And I'm like, I so I I happen to watch it. I actually watch it years later because I was too young for that kind well, of I show. I was I never watched Gary Shandling because that wasn't really my thing. I my big thing was um was TGIF. Yeah, like all those shows, like Step by Step, Step and, by Step, and, Full, uh, House, Full House, Perfect Strangers, Perfect Strangers, Growing Pains. That was on. Yeah. Um, I watched all the family shows. Yeah. But like the Gary Shandling show was not my cup of tea, or you know, like that or Murphy Brown, because I didn't watch those because really, I actually watched Murphy Brown when really? I was younger. Yeah. I never watched that stuff. Yeah. Because it, I, I understood the family. You know? Yeah, and yeah. you know, with you know, with uh, Full House, you know, I just was, I was had a crush on DJ. So TGIF was my was, was my best, jam was my know? jam. Believe it or not, my my kids, uh, I got them on Hulu watching Perfect Strangers, oh. and they have binged the whole. They love Perfect Strangers. See, I like that show yeah. because I thought that uh, Bronson Pinchot was a genius. He was a genius. Yeah, and they're still. I, I'll send you a clip of this. I um, when we were in the middle of of binging the show. I Googled them yeah. because I remember seeing um, Marklin oh, Baker. Marklin Baker, good. He does. Wow. He does a lot. Of, he's a big Broadway he still star. Does a he lot. still does a lot. He yeah. is a he's a stalwart on Broadway. Yeah, he plays. I oh had, yeah. I had seen him on an episode of SVU, and uh, and he got you know he, he aged a little bit. He's an old guy. I mean, <laughs> he he's got to be in yeah. his sixties by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Marklin Baker. So I Googled them, and um, they did. They had an appearance on a radio show. Okay, and it was like. They hadn't missed a beat because I remember watching the comedy and it was so underrated together. It was a great show. They were show. geniuses together. Like, For sure. The back and forth they had was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I started watching it because Balky was from like a, a, a Fugazi version of Greece, which oh, didn't was, exist. Meepos. 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 Right. Yeah. Oh, Meepos. He was supposed to be Greek. Yeah. So it was, it was like a Fugazi version of I Greece. I get it. I get yeah. it. <laughs> like it didn't, so like in some of the, when he would speak Meeposian. Yeah. There were some words that were Greek in there. there it, for every like hundred words, there were like three Greek oh, words. I didn't that he would know talk about. that. Yeah. Oh so it was supposed God. to be. So I, I think they had mentioned Greece one or two times. It was supposed to be some like cousin country of Greece. But yeah, like yeah. next door, like about that big, like yeah. the biggest Montenegro yeah. or something like that. <laughs> but right. that's why I started watching that because I was like, oh my God, this is this is my person. These yeah. are my people. I liked that. I loved that show. I was amazed that I got my two dads. My two dads. That was like a yeah. Weird, that was a hard one. That was to a get. tough one. Yeah. Well, you know what it was? It was the um, it was the back and forth. It was like the um, this is my one dad, and I was like my two dads. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, was a big our, Paul Reiser fan. That was Paul Reiser before he was on um, Crazy Mad About You. Mad about you. Mad, mad about, about you. you. Yeah. And Julie Louis Dreyfus was on that. Yes. And I don't know. They just lived in this house, and I don't know what they did. The dads did, but that was before she was on uh, Seinfeld. Before SNL, she was on SNL for a season. Was right? she? Yeah, that was like yeah. a weird season of before, SNL. Yes, was that the season like that Robert like, Downey Jr.? I think that's when. Wasn't there like a, was a season too? where, where like, where like uh, Lorne Michaels wasn't involved? That it was um, uh, uh, Dick Ebersol. Was that like the 
was that like the Billy Crystal years? Yeah, it was right. It was earlier than, than I know that the, there's a part. Yeah, there was oh, a couple. Was, there's a couple of weird like there was a, there was one or two like seasons where years. it was it was Dick Ebersol ran okay. SNL. Yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, I remember the SNL didn't start for me until like Dana Carvey and yeah. that group. And oh, John I like Lovitz. the old stuff too. I, I I've seen but, a couple, but of them. after the fact. So sure. like when when DVD started coming out, I would buy like the first season, the second season. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Because I loved. Uh, even like the early, early stuff with Dan Aykroyd, like the commercials. Oh yeah, you know, or or uh, uh, Bassomatic. The shark. The sh- Bassomatic. Do you remember the shark? Yeah, they would land shark. Plumber man. Plumber man. <laughs> land shark. Those are great. Those are great. I um I I like those. I think I watched a lot of those on Nick at Night. Did they yeah. have those SNLs on Nick at Night? Maybe. maybe. It was something. I I'm trying to remember when. But then I remember there was. The Nick and so I used to see him and Belushi and that whole like that first group the yeah. not not quite for primetime players like right 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 and um and then I think I saw there was like the Billy Crystal years and like uh Paul Mazeroski the guy played I can't remember his name but he's the guy who played Sweet Chuck in yeah uh, yeah 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 in uh, yeah. Police Academy oh, right 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 but yeah they, there was like that group and that was a strange group of people right yeah it was but I yeah I but he I, used to do uh, what would Billy Crystal do uh, Fernando. Fernando, you look marvelous. You look marvelous. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. You ever see, his stand-up is great. You ever he's see his, great. He's my, one of my favorites. You ever see the? Th- I'm sure you've seen the one where he like does his his uncle and his dad on the um the super the super eight. Uh, oh no, I didn't. Oh, see it's that. so funny. Like, gotta look for it. It's like he's acting like his dad, his family on like a super eight um recorder. Oh. so there's no sound, so they're all just like, hey, how you doing? It's oh like, no, no, I haven't seen that. It's very, very funny. I can't act it out, but like, just it, it, just. Look, it's part of his stand-up. He was, I mean, he's amazing. He's incredible. That whole show fascinates me. Yeah. I have, I'm such a historian when it comes to SNL. Yeah. Uh, every, almost every actor that came out of the show was such a fan. I mean, Chevy, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. My guy. Great stuff. Until he just went completely oh nuts. Oh, my God. I yeah. feel bad because. He's such a dick of a human now. It's horrible but, because, yeah. I, you know, because I love, um, was, I watched Community. And I like that group, but they had such problems with such him. problems. And I feel bad because, like, you wanted him. I want him to win because he's he's you know he's what's his name the he's uh, he's Sparky. He's, yeah, you know he's he's the National Lampoon's Vacation guy. Yeah. He's what yeah. was his character's name? It's Clark Griswold. Clark Griswold. Yeah, yeah. You know you wanted to you wanted yeah. to win, and I don't know what's going on with him as a performer, but the all the other people who worked with him. You know, you listen to podcasts, and they'll have like you know. Uh, that group that with Alison Brie and I've heard of her yep. talk and they're all just like yeah there was something going on with him and they're very they keep it well, very close to the vest. No, there's an episode of um, I'm pretty sure it was Joel McHale was on Howard Stern. I'm almost positive this is where I'll have I heard to listen it. to that. Had to be. You got to listen to it because he because Howard is a big Chevy fan. Sure. Um, but yeah, you got to listen to it because he goes full out like explains exactly what went on. It's it's the whole deal. I'll yeah. have to listen to that. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah, definitely yeah. have to listen to that because yeah. I'm I'm. That was a great show, and I and I like you know Dan Harmon who did all that and like yeah. um and the and the things that he's been doing and and I don't know if you saw that he he had to like apologize for something that he did on that show. Oh no, you got to really? look at that. Yeah, it's very. Uh-oh. I mean, every, it's so funny. Like all all these people that I like, they're like they they did some really awful things. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I. I, I love Chevy, Chevy Chase. I like that whole group. Those guys who got in, you know, the Ghostbusters and those guys who yeah. started Ghostbusters. I love all them. And then, like, 
you know, and then that whole middle se- session, I never saw any of that stuff. But when I got in my teenage years and like when I was 11, 12, and it was, it was Dana Carvey, it was John Lovitz, it was, it was, that was, Myers, that was one of the best Phil Meadows, Hartman. Phil Hartman. Phil oh, Hartman. Forget about it. That whole group, Jan Hooks. Yeah. Uh, I love all those guys. Um, well, Phil Hartman established on that show the need for the straight man on the show oh, because he brought so much to the show with just being the straight man. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was incredible. And, and so many people have done it since. Uh, what was his name? Chris Parnell? Chris Parnell was a straight man. And he was a straight great. man. He's great. He's great. Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, my God. He was great. And even um, uh, she's so underrated, but Vanessa Bayer. Vanessa Bayer was so underrated because she could play the straight man Mm -hmm. but in such a way where it was so tongue-in-cheek that it was like she's incredible she had a little run on brooklyn 99 this year that was fucking awesome i I, the only things i watch about brooklyn 99 because i i just don't there's a lot of things i just don't catch but i watch those um those like youtube or like facebook videos where it's just like it's just like all of like andrew brower's you know, yeah. best moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, I watch. Yeah, yeah. But Vanessa Bayer, you know what I loved when she played the uh, the uh, the the mar- bar mitzvah boy. Oh yeah, is Jacob. That, is Jacob. That hilarious. <laughs> because you know why? How many of those have you been to? Being from out here on Long Island, yeah, how many yeah. bar mitzvahs have you been to? As like, she's perfect. She's it, perfect. It, it's so funny. And, like, and then the, the interaction thing. with Colin, uh, oh with Colin Jost, and just looks at him, <laughs> just looks at him, and, and starts out. talking. Vanessa Bayer was great. I, did, she I was don't know great. why she left. Did she leave? Did she get fired? What happened? Uh, no, I think she left. I think the only people that got fired during that time were um, Jay Farrow. Yeah, and um, oh um, man, it's gonna kill. Uh, kill. Um, Oh man, Keenan will be there till Not Keenan, they turn yeah, the lights um, off, man. Uh, he's on the show now, uh, white dude. Um, he's on the show about kids now on NBC. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about, but I can't think of his name. Um, I'm gonna Google it right Kieran now. Kieran Kill- Killian Killian something. Uh, oh, Kilmer? Man. No, not Kilmer. That's, that's uh, a different guy. Uh, Ter- Tarum Killian. Tarum Killian. Yeah. Yes. yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was funny, man. Yeah, he was good too. He was good too. But I, I was like, when they got let go, I'm like, what is going on? I actually saw Jay Farrow recently. Mm-hmm. Um, he does this thing on IMDb now, mm-hmm. um, where he he it's a little mini show he does where he's trying to add credit skills to his IMDb profile. So he'll go like work with a chef for an episode. He'll, I saw an episode with Bobby Flay. Oh my god, that's where hilarious. he coached about. So now he could add chef to his skills. And that's whatever. pretty so, funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, they, they have some really good stuff. I like, you know, obviously Kate McKinnon is a is a national treasure. She's incredible. Um, you know, and um, and Cecily Strong. Cecily I like her. is my still. To this day of this class, probably my favorite. Oh my god! When she does the girl, you wish you didn't start a yes a conversation yes. with at a party. I watched yes. a whole bunch of those. I like her, and I like Mikey Day. Mikey Day is Mikey great. Mikey Day is yep. really good. Mikey those Day are like great. those are like my favorites on that. I mean, and obviously Keenan. Like they're um, what's his name? Uh, Kyle Mooney. Kyle uh, and I think he's more of a writer on the show okay. too. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. Some like of the stuff group. he does. I mean, it's out there, but they're they're great. Yeah, yeah those are those. Are, I mean, I I watch them sometimes. I I, I don't catch. I don't know the last time I watched SNL because I don't even have TV. Yeah, you know, I don't watch it. I, yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. like you know NBC at you know what is it eleven thirty? Is it till eleven thirty? Eleven thirty. Yeah. I don't watch that anymore. I just watch it the next day. Yeah. You know, if there was a a cool sketch. Yeah, on social or, or something. something yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I watch still it watch it religiously. I DVR oh, it every man. week. I uh, and they're on hiatus now with all this going on. I know. Yeah, they're not coming back for for a while. Um, 
I, uh, I will say, though, that they've had a couple of special episodes over the course of the last season or two. I'm getting a little... I'm I'm kind of done with the politics on the show because it's just it's every everything. skit because that's, that's where they're gonna not, get, but that's where they're gonna get the hits. They'll get the hits, George, but it's, you know it's what just, I mean. I, because of the fact that it's it, it's still the same people running the show, it saddens me a little bit because that's not the spirit of the show. It was always a part of the show in for a big sure. way, for sure, in a big way. But when you had last season where Adam Sandler came back, and you had this season where Eddie Murphy came back, those were. Hands down, and, and not just because of I'm a huge Eddie fan and a huge right. Adam fan. Hands down, probably the two best episodes in the last ten years. I am um, hands down. I watched the Eddie Murphy episode. I I liked it. Uh, it could have been better. I'm not gonna better. lie. Yeah, I didn't. I think they they missed the mark on a couple of the the sketch sketches. Yeah. The things that I saw that Adam Sandler did, I I didn't. I only saw his opening monologue, which was great. And then I saw his um, the best of all his characters. No, I watched oh, that was great. I, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, but when I saw the Farley song, yes, forget oh, it. I was yeah. I was a little bit of a mess. So was I. You so know? was I. Because so was I, I, and I had seen that already on his Netflix special. Oh really? That was on. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought yeah, that was the first seen, time they did it. It's called 100 percent Fresh. It's called. I'll go check special. that out. Check it out. Great, great special. But yeah, I had seen that already. But but doing it on SNL meant. So much more. I'm sure. I mean, you know? I, I that, those guys were great. And then you forget how good they were. Yeah. You know, how, how long they've been gone. Yeah. But when you, when I think about my brother and I are always, uh, we're always doing all the lines from Tommy Boy. I mean, that I is. I just did. <laughs> last all, night. I mean, all of those, th- that's part of those, those, yeah. are, those are the ones who were, they were like the grunge era of, you know the yes. the comedy. You yeah. Know, like, like like if I if I think about well, what I listened to when I was a kid, I was like Pearl Jam and blah blah blah. And like who were the comedians? Same. It was always Mike Myers. It was always Adam Sandler. All of them. Do you remember? Did you remember his um his first album? I have all his albums. Oh my god, that they're first all gonna album. laugh oh, at like you. Every we're all gonna laugh we at all, you. <laughs> we're gonna laugh at you. No, no. We, we listen to that constantly. We still do. Oh my god, I haven't listened to it in years, but I have to. But those sketches were hilarious, and we died. And it was just. It was yeah. it was sketches on a comedy. They album. were they were just out of this world. I still it's it's hard to pick them out from my kids right now because Middle he's still. So we don't do like straight up PG in my house. We'll go like PG thirteen, maybe a little halfway uh-huh. between, you know, once in a while. But like, do you remember the longest P? Yes. I play that on my Sonos in the house through every speaker, just like randomly when the kids are there, and you just. They're belly laughing belly in the other room because that's that's their belly comedy laugh. right that's now. That's their comedy. Yeah. Did you yeah. do you have Fatty McGee? Yeah, that's you couldn't do that now. No, you, you could, could not. not. A lot of those jokes you couldn't do now. You could not. You couldn't do any of those jokes no. now. No, not at all. You couldn't do any of that. Not stuff. at all. They, um, uh, the one I always play, and I have to mute the one part. Um, seven foot. Do you remember Seven Foot Man? I'm the Seven Foot Man. No, I don't I've know committed that one. no crime. <laughs> it's he, he. I think he just plays it from a live in concert that he did. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Great song. I liked. Um, I always liked the um, the 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 not Jewish, the who's Jewish song, the um, the Hanukkah song. Oh, the Hanukkah song. God, yeah, I yeah, yeah. It. Hanukkah song. Oh, is those awesome. are. I actually was listening to a whole bunch from the other day. Like I was listening to the Hanukkah song. I was listening to the second Hanukkah song, and then I got to Lunch Ladyland, and I was trying to explain to to a friend of mine. Uh, you know, hoagies and grinders. Like, what's that? I was like, oh, you don't yeah. know that? Because because <laughs> I was dating a girl who had to be at least 10 years younger than me and they did not get it. So I certainly went back and I was like, I listened to this. 
And I was like, who's this? It's, it's Adam Sandler. But you they mean don't like get the it. old guy? But like some of it, they, they like, it. oh my God. Holy my wife God. is 11 years younger. There you me. go. <laughs> and, and there is some of the humor. She's pretty good about it. But you know, you didn't live through it. Like, because we were in junior high school and high, high school, probably. We were in the beginning of high school when, that, when all that came out. But that was our humor. Yeah. You know, like that, you know, we weren't listening to like Lewis Black back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? We no. were listening. It was, it was a little bit, it was, it was like sophomoric. It was yeah, like, you know, that's exactly what it, it was. was. It was like, yeah, you know, like, like college humor. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, because we, our brains weren't fully developed. Yeah. All we knew was, you know, sex, pee, and poop, and yeah. and and Adam Sandler gave us all of that. Yeah, all of spades, it, all without of it. a doubt. He's had an interesting career, really, really interesting. Because after SNL, and he was one of that whole cast was fired. Yes, like Rock, Spade, uh, Sandler. But you all listen of them. to that. You listen to that Howard Farley. You listen to that Howard Stern yeah. oh, episode. Yeah. I, I I caught a little bit of that. Yeah, he, I didn't realize all that. All of them were fired. They were all fired. Yeah, and then he did Billy Madison, and and it skyrocketed him. And what I love about him is how he took them all with him. Exactly. They're still every single movie. And even behind the scenes, because he had his little crew that was part of his movie crew that was outside of SNL. Yeah, those three dudes. Like Alan Covert, right? Grandma's Boy. Mm -hmm. Great movie. So underrated. Oh, my God. You know what's great about that movie is, um, is, oh, the the grandma. The Matrix line is the, the, the best movie. To, to, uh, how much do clothes cost in the Matrix? Do you remember that no, line? No, I don't. Oh, because that guy was the guy the that used to dress like from, from like he was from the Matrix. <laughs> well, who's the woman? What's the name of the woman from the um, the Partridge Family? And she oh. was the one, one he ends up hooking up with. Oh, the the, the grandmother's friend, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. She's okay. like a big musical. The mother person. from the yeah, party. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. Partridge Family. And yeah. she was like, and back in the day, like the reason I know her, and I love her, because she was in all those old musicals like Carousel, and yeah, uh, she was in um, she was in Oklahoma, yeah, and all those old movie musicals, and then she was the mom on the Partridge Family, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah, this yeah. is perfect. <laughs> this is a perfect person for this job. Man, oh so my God, we, we sit here all we night. Can sit, we, we can. Should, we should do an episode without like a doubt, for sure, for sure. Uh, so we have veered way, off way topic off right now. But see, but let, let's bring it back because at the end of the day, like these are the things we have to. You know, sometimes I think nostalgia is 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 good. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's bad, but I think we have to remember the things that are good right now. Yeah, and I think we have to. Maybe we could share those things with. You, our family and our friends That's and it. and revisit those things because we have a lot of time yeah at the same time maybe those things can um inspire us to do our own stuff yeah and we have a lot of time to sit and think and we can go crazy in our own little you know quarantine places or we can use that time to come out stronger and i think that that's that's the important thing and that's the one thing that i've been trying to think about these last couple of days because it's only been a couple of days. It might be a couple of weeks. It might be a couple of months. Yeah, for real. So for real, certainly, uh, you know, keep the keep the the juices flowing in the in the brain yeah. area. I agree I with think you, we man. Come out, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you being here. Anytime, man. All right, thanks man. for having me. You got it. Well, that's going to do it for guests because I think we hit our limit of guests today for. On one episode, I think that is definitely a record for us. Jen Clock, Jennifer Muccioli, Trisha Brooke, Rob McCaffrey, who was a surprise. That was a fun, fun guest to bring in here. We went, uh, we went through a, a range of conversation here. I'm not sure how much of it is going to make it onto the podcast. I hope when I when we edit this down later that all of it makes it. But uh, we started with 
talking about coronavirus and, and somehow went through TV shows, movies, actors, Broadway. <laughs> That's what we do here at the launch cast. You never know what to expect. And now it's time for, you know what happens at the end of every show. This is going to be a different one, though. It's time for our spark moment of the episode, spark moment of the week. Let me, let me pen in for this one, those that are watching on video. You ready for this one? Wash your hands. That's the spark moment of the week. Simple as that, guys. I think, I think when we talk about the spark moment and uh, how important it is to to look at uh, events in your life that have uh, changed the trajectory of it, changed moments of your life that have changed the trajectory of your life and and your path going forward. I think this time is going to be really pivotal for a lot of people. I think it's going to be really important. It's going to be something that we always remember. Uh, hopefully it's just going to be a distant memory in the long run, but Hey man, you got to turn, you got to turn the negatives into a positive. You got to learn how to keep living life. Although safely, you got to learn how to keep living life and how to keep moving forward and how to keep being successful. And so I hope that we helped you accomplish that during this show. I hope that you remember, as my friends on the Norwegian cruises say, washi washi, washi washi, all the timey. Don't forget, tell your kids to wash their hands too. Tell your mom and dad to wash their hands. Sometimes they forget. Tell your wife, tell your wife, tell your kids, tell your husbands. Wash your hands, stay clean, stay away from people. It's just a couple of weeks. It's not going to kill anybody. Well, the virus will, but not staying away from people. Until next time, my friends, remember to follow all that stuff. Follow the launch, follow the launch cast, follow Launchpad CEO, follow me everywhere. Get on that podcast, subscribe, listen. Rate, review, share it, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell everybody. We're going to be here for another episode very soon because even though everything's on lockdown, not the launch cast, guys, we're still going. We will never, ever stop. Until next time, guys, we'll see you later. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole. Thanks for listening to the LaunchCast today. Please make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And make sure to visit our website, guys, thelaunchcast.com. Looking forward to the next episode. See you soon, guys.